Well, good morning again to each and every one of you. I'm thankful that you're here today um, to honor God, to uh, worship Jesus Christ, to celebrate together. And so thank you for uh, your presence here today. Again, if you're brand new with us, if this is the first time you're with us, either in person or those of you who are online, we'd love to be able to connect with you. Um, and so you can just take your phone out and text the word welcome to the phone number 636-206-8654. Don't worry, somebody won't show up at your house. We just want to be able to connect with you, let you know about more about Wildwood Christian Church. And so thank you for being here and joining us today. I also want to make an invitation to you for Christmas Eve. And so we have Christmas Christmas Eve services at 2.30 and at 4 p.m., and we would love to have you come and be a part of that, um, and so plan on that. Uh, we'll have a very special service. The kids will be in with us. Um, Brandy will have a special portion for some of the younger kids, as well as a candle lighting and a communion, and so we invite you to let us be a part of your celebration of Christmas Eve, and so that'll be this Friday afternoon, 2.30 or at 4 p.m., and so one other piece of information I want to share with you today. Um, today is the uh, 40th anniversary of my wife, Patty, and I. We've been married for 40 whole years. We, we haven't changed at all, have we? In 40 years, nothing at all. She's still as gorgeous as ever. Uh, God gave me an amazing gift in my wife. Uh, she has not only put up with me, but she has been an amazing example of uh, love and grace and compassion, and she has been a great influence on me for the Lord, and so I'm very blessed, and so Patty, thank you for staying with me ah, for 40 whole years. You know, when I was young, people who had been married 40 years were old. Man, your perspective changes, doesn't it? Anyway. Uh, I am so appreciative of her, and again, thank you for being here with us today. I, I'm not a person who's very good at waiting. I just don't wait well. So we had some issues this week with electricity, something to do with the squirrel being at the wrong place at a wrong time, and I don't think he survived, but we had lots of electrical issues here. And so one of them was our uh, router AT&T, you know, we, we uh, had to get that replaced. And so Thursday, I got to wait for the guy to come. And it's always that deal where it's like between this time and this time, which is a long period of time. And I understand that, but I had to wait. I'm not very good at waiting. I don't get other things done because I know somebody's going to show up. And then a couple weeks ago, Patty and I are at Aldi, and they have one checker checking everybody out on this particular day and typically the all these checkers are like whoop, 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 whoop. you know I mean they're so fast they really know this poor girl she was obviously new because it was like whoop, boom whoop, boom and the line was growing long and I wasn't the only one that was impatient with this poor girl as she was trying to check these people out I mean I just I don't wait well whether it's at a traffic light or it's something to happen. But I have learned this thing about waiting, that if the waiting is good enough, what you're waiting for, in other words, your goal at the end of waiting, if that's good enough, you don't really mind waiting that much. And so on Friday, Kevin and I, we ate at, uh, is it Vivano's, is that how you say it? There you go, Vivola Express, a great sandwich place over at 270 and Page. If you're not eating there, it's a hole in the wall. It's a great place. It's the third time. You know, though, when you go in there, you're going to wait. 
We waited, I bet, at least 30 minutes for the sandwiches we ate, but it was well worth it. Not just the food, but even the experience with these guys as they make it in front of you. It's just a great place to go and eat. So I've learned that if what I'm waiting for is good enough, it changes my whole demeanor in waiting. Now, there are a lot of you who understand about the difficulty in waiting. You, you struggle in waiting, right? Um, waiting for the Christmas break or waiting for your kids to go back to school after the Christmas break, or, you know, I mean, there's just a lot of things that we wrestle with waiting on, and some of them are hard. I mean, let's face it, some of the things that some of you have had to wait on this year have been very, very difficult, you know, waiting for the call from the doctor, wondering what that biopsy is going to show, you know, waiting for the news, am I going to get this job or not, waiting for you know, the bank to call and to tell you you're way behind in your mortgage. I mean, there's some things that are just so hard to wait on. Yet again, if the thing that we're waiting for, if it's good enough, in other words, if the action that's supposed to happen after the period of time in which we wait is positive enough, it changes our whole demeanor towards this issue of waiting. So if you're Literally thousands of years, God's people had waited for what Luke calls the consolation of Israel. Consolation, it's a word that means comfort. For God to comfort his people, to send the deliverer, to rescue them. Um, we know him as the Messiah or the anointed one. But for literally hundreds, if not thousands of years, God's people had waited. But there was one man that God promised to this one man that he would not die before he saw the Lord's anointed. And because of how this guy waited, God used him to do amazing and an extraordinary thing. God used him as a testimony to testify that this one is the Messiah. And when we wait for the things of God, God gives us great hope. So we're in this series entitled The Light of the World. So we've been journeying through the Gospel of Luke this whole year, and so we're kind of here at the end of the year, but we're going back to the beginning. We're looking at the story of Jesus Christ that Luke records for us and gives to us. And I've loved journeying through the Gospel of Luke because our goal has been we've been seeking Christ, we've been searching after Christ, trying to get to know Jesus better because we know that if we get to know Jesus better, he's the one who can change and transform us. And so in this journey, we have been looking at the events surrounding the birth of Jesus Christ. And so the first week we learned the fact that if I don't surrender to this baby as my king, I'm never going to find peace at all in my life. And then last week, uh, the challenge was kind of don't let the baby stay a baby because he is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords and the one over the universe. Well, today, I think God wants us to learn how to wait well. I think God wants to teach us about what it looks like to let him do his work in spite of the fact that it sometimes seems like nothing is happening or going on at all. And so we're going to take a look at this guy, Simeon. And so I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke, the second chapter. Luke chapter 2. There's Bibles in the seat in front of you. Those of you who are online, I encourage you to get your Bibles out. Luke chapter 2. Now, 
as we come to this particular passage of Scripture, there's some things that are so very important for us to look at, but here's what we're, what we're doing today. We, we need to learn that waiting for the work of God in our life is well worth it. It's well worth it. In fact, here's the key, here's where we're going today, is when we wait on the will of God, when we wait on the will of God, we will see the work of God. When you and I are willing to say, God, I want to do your will, and we wait on God's will and do that will, we will see God work in our heart and in our life. Now, we come to this very important time in the life of Mary and Joseph. In fact, this was an important time in any Jewish family, right? So Jesus has already been born by the time we come to this story in Luke 2, and Mary and Joseph come to the temple because there's three very important ceremonies that as a Jewish couple, particularly with a male child, they would participate in. So Luke chapter 2, let me read beginning in verse 22 here. You follow along in your Bibles. It says this, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, how far did they have to go to Jerusalem? Well, not very far because they were coming from where? Bethlehem. There you go. Very good. Just seeing if you're paying attention, right? As it was written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. That's very important. They're following the teaching of the Jewish law. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of two of doves or two young pigeons. So there's three ceremonies that a Jewish couple, two for a female, three for a male. The first ceremony was the ceremony of circumcision, which would have happened at eight days, all right? So that's already taken place. Now we're at 40 days. Jesus is 40 days old, and they come in because the law required the woman who gave birth had to have these purification rites. So they come in to offer that sacrifice, but even more significant is to dedicate their baby to the Lord. And this is a reference back into the Old Testament. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. In other words, the firstborn belongs to the Lord. And so you either give it to the Lord or you redeem it. And so they were redeeming their firstborn, consecrating, dedicating him to the Lord. But what really is happening is God, in the way God only can do, he is orchestrating these events. So Mary and Joseph are in the temple at the same time our character, our guy Simeon, shows up at the temple. So read, beginning with me in verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting. Say that word with me, waiting. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So moved by the spirits, he went into the temple courts. So what do we learn about this guy Simeon as you look through there? Well, he lived in Jerusalem, so that was kind of the center of God's people where they were at. But it uses this phrase, he was holy or he was righteous and devout. Righteous and devout. In other words, this was a guy who lived his life focused on God, living the way God wanted him to live. And Luke uses these phrases in a very positive way. He was, that was, this was his reputation. 
He loved God so much he wanted to honor God. He was righteous and he was devout. He was focused on God. But it also says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. In other words, he believed in the promises of God, and so he was waiting to see that they were fulfilled. But it also interestingly mentions, in fact, it does it three different times in our passage here, about the Holy Spirit being on him, the Holy Spirit leading him. In other words, this is a guy who lived his life sensitive to the things of God. He's paying attention. He's got his eyes open. He's thinking about what God is wanting to do, and God is working, and God is leading. But then it says, verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. He had seen the Lord's Messiah. That's an amazing promise for a Jew. When you've been a part of a group that's been waiting for all this time and suddenly it's revealed to you that you're going to get to see the Lord's Messiah before you die. And it's, as I think about this story, you think, number one, what did other people around him think when he told them that he got to see the Lord's anointed before he died? Did they think he was crazy? Or did they believe him? He didn't seem to care. He believed it. This was an amazing promise to this particular guy. He would see the Lord's anointed. And again, for him, maybe that was hard to wait because we don't, really don't know how old this guy is. There's a guess that he's probably older, way older than 60, right? Because 60 is not old. He's way older than 60, but he's probably older because God says, now you can go home and die. We, we really don't know, but what we do know is he's been waiting, and he's been waiting. But something unique has been revealed to him. So I want to talk to you a little bit about this idea of waiting. So this is an interesting word that's used here, and it's, um, it's a word that means uh, um, a reaction to the action that's on the other side. Okay, so I know it's early in the morning, but it's the reaction, how I react now based upon the action that's going to happen on the other side. In other words... Waiting in this particular context here is to act in the present as if the future thing is a done deal. It's going to happen. I know it's going to happen, 100% sure it's going to happen, and so I'm going to act today like I know that it's going to happen in the future. Um, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 10. Did I put that in there, Dale? Proverbs 4.10? Is it in there? No, Proverbs 4.10, is it in there? There we go, there we go. He says this, listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. So this is a concept of what we're talking about here. Listen, my son, accept what I say. In other words, the son, Solomon, is saying to his son, you need to listen and accept it. In other words, you need to act today as if what I'm promising, your life, the years of your life will be many, is a done deal. And so it is acting today as if I know that it's a done deal. Every woman who's ever been pregnant understands this, right? You are acting today as if that baby will come out someday, right? And that's your hope and your prayer that that baby is going to come. And so this idea of waiting that we're talking about here is he is filled with hope. He has this hope about what God's going to do. And hope in the future gives us power to act and react the way God wants us to in the present. Even when we have no idea about will this happen or not, we just believe it, we know it could be true, but we're going to act in the present. And here's what we're learning is that when we wait for the will of God, 
In other words, we're believing that the will of God is the right way to live. When we wait for the will of God, we will see the work of God at some point in our life. All right, so let's look at Luke 2.27. So it says there, moved by the Spirit. Again, that's the third time that Luke has mentioned this in reference to Simeon. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. So he goes into the temple courts here, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, we talked about that, those three different things, it says Simeon took him in his arms. Now, the temple courts is not a small building like this. All right, we talked about the temple a few weeks ago. The, the whole temple area is probably three football fields in size, all right? It's huge. You've got the court of the Gentiles, which is all around it. They're probably in what's called the court of the women, because she was a woman coming in there, which was still a huge area, all right? And so your young parents, right? This is your first child. He's 40 days old. You know this is a special child, so you're particularly protective of this little child. And so you go into the temple area, and you're young and inexperienced, and suddenly this crazy man starts running at you, right? Like, he's the one, he's the one. Now, I'm wondering, which one do you think Simeon looked like in this particular picture here? You think he looked like uh, Dr. Emmett Brown there or Santa Claus, right, or Kris Kringle? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking over here. I'm thinking, you know, he looks crazy. He's coming. I, I don't really know, but I just know that would have freaked out a young parent, right, who's holding their baby here wondering what's happening there. He would have caused quite a commotion. Now, we know in the story, which we won't look at, but Anna also knows what's going on here, but he notices what everybody else has missed. I mean, they brought Jesus into the priest to have him circumcised at eight days. We don't, it doesn't say anything that the priest noticed who Jesus was. All these other people around there, Simeon noticed what other people had missed, and the reason is, is because he's waiting for the will of God. He believes in the promise of God. He knows that is true. And so he, he's waiting for the will of God, and he's not just waiting, but he's living the way God wants him to live, focused on what he needs to do because that's what God wants him to do, just anticipating. In other words, he is acting in the present as if the future is a done deal. He has that kind of hope in God. And so what does Simeon get to do because he's been waiting for God to work? Look what he says beginning in verse 29. He takes the baby in his arms. Did he hold him up like, you know, is it Simba and the Lion King there? I don't know. He takes the baby in his arms and he says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised. I mean, he believed in this promise. You may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. He's looking at a baby. But he believes in what this baby is going to become. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. He gets to testify that this baby is the one. He gets to declare that in the presence of all these people. This is the one. God showed me that. God's promised that. This is the one. And he has learned to keep his eyes open to the work of God. And those phrases are so powerful. A light 
for revelation to the Gentiles. And the glory of your people, Israel. Revelation is this idea of something that's been covered up gets uncovered. And so for you and I as Gentiles, the light has been uncovered for us. That we can see what the Jewish people knew God was eventually going to do in our life. But then that final message, beginning in verse 33. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Those are very difficult words for a mom, a young mom, to hear about her child. But this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. There will be many who will turn away from God, won't accept the Messiah. But many will, to be a sign that will be spoken against. I mean, Jesus was so spoken against by the Jewish leaders that what? They nailed him to a cross. So that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And you'll know what people are thinking. Jesus doesn't give any room for middle ground here, but a sword will pierce your own soul too. I mean, Mary, the heartache that she would face but ultimately the joy that she would face because she got to hear the teaching of her son. She got to witness the miracle. She saw him die on the cross. That was the sword, but then she saw him raised from the dead and got to believe in him and who he was. You see, he is the light of the world, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. He is a light that guides us. That's, that's been a part of the prophecy since the beginning of the Bible. Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah writes these words in the Old Testament, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light is dawned. I like that picture of a light coming over the hill. But then the verse that we're more familiar with, down in verse 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called, say these words out loud with me, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He is the light that is to come. And then in the New Testament, John does not give to us the story of the birth of Jesus like Matthew and Luke do, but here's the words of John in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life, notice this, was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I mean, Simeon was the one who got to declare in that temple area. He's the one who got to say that this baby, this tiny little baby, he is the light of the world.
You know, because Simeon waited, he got to see the work of God. So what is it that you're being led by God to, to wait for? What is it right now that, <clears throat> you know, is challenging for you and just almost seems impossible that you're waiting for to see something happen? And sometimes I think we miss what God wants us to wait for because we're so distracted by other things, right? I miss the hurting person in front of me because I got my list of things to do. You know, I miss the opportunity right now because I got to make sure I get this fixed. I mean, there's so many things that we miss out on. You know, one of the things to learn from Simeon is this, that while Simeon waited, he was honoring God with his life. He was righteous and devout. He was honoring God. He wasn't doing that because he was, you know, felt like other people wanted him to do. He was doing that because he knew that that was the right thing to do. And so the question I think we have to ask ourselves is, what do I need to do to become more like God? In this moment, as difficult as it is, what do I need to do to become more like Jesus Christ? What's God trying to impress upon me? Not ten things, just one thing that God is trying to do in my life to change me. Hope in the future of what God can do gives us the power to live in the present the way we need to. In fact, Paul writes this to Titus in Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. He says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-control, upright, and godly lives in this present age. And here it is, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. So while Simeon was waiting, he honored God. But what Simeon witnessed was just a mere glimpse of the work that God was going to do. I mean, think about that. Simeon only saw this tiny little baby. Yet he knew that that was the salvation that God was bringing to this world. But he didn't get a witness the teaching of Jesus or the miracles of Jesus or the death, burial, and especially the resurrection of Jesus. It was a mere glimpse of what God was going to do through this tiny little baby. And as we strive to wait and to do the will of God and to step into whatever God's asking us to do right now, we may only give, get a glimpse of the work that God might do. But God is still working. In your life and in my life, God is still striving to help us become the people that God wants us to become. God is still working even when we cannot even see it. So let's be people who keep our eyes open to the work that God's doing in us and even through us as we await for God's goodness that he brings into our hearts and our lives. So again, when we wait for the will of God, we will see the work of God. When we wait for the will of God, what part of God's will do you need to step into? Do I need to step into? And then when we think about this work of God, is it God's work that we're hoping for, or is it our work? Because if it's our work, I mean, that's not much hope, right? But if we know God is the one working in the midst of it, that's something that we can truly put our hope in.